Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you are an accredited or non-accredited investor. Aventure provides an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio by providing access to investing in venture capital funds. The Aventure app provides everything you need to make startup investments, including extensive research material, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures. For fund managers, Aventure seeks to help you streamline your operations and launch your fund. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are liquid, which is a major pain point in our industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in the industry are so excited about this launch. Their first fund launch is coming early next year. So if you want to be the first in the know, join their waitlist at aventure.vc. That's A-V-E-N-T-U-R-E dot V-C. Also check the link in the show notes. Aventure is a California-based fintech company and operates independently from investment advisors on its platform who may be registered as investment advisors in the U.S., or qualify for exempt reporting status. Hello, I'm your host, Mike Gelb, and this is the Consumer VC Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of venture capital and consumer innovation. If you're enjoying the show, also subscribe to our newsletter at theconsumervc.substack.com. All content and episodes are for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not investment advice. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about Aventure, a new platform that's about to launch that's making venture capital available to the masses. It doesn't matter if you're accredited or not accredited. Aventure provides an opportunity to diversify your investment portfolio and invest in private funds. If you're a fund manager, the Aventure app also provides everything you need in order to make startup investments including extensive research materials, seamless transaction processes, and allocation measures so you can properly diversify your portfolio. Now, typically, venture capital and startup investments are liquid, which is a major pain point for industry. Aventure is fixing this by offering periodic withdrawals for its investors. I and many others in this industry are so excited about this launch, they are preparing to list their first fund in the beginning of next year. So if you want to be the first to know, join their waitlist at aventure.vc. Our guest today is Chris Ashenden, founder and CEO of Athletic Greens and AG1. AG1 is the world's most comprehensive and convenient daily nutrition product in green powder form. We discuss the early days of starting Athletic Greens from his motivation for creating the product to how he approached marketing and partnerships, the shift in his target demo for the brand, or rather the evolution of the target demo for the brand, how they grew and how he thought about creating a new consumer habit and a subscription. There's a lot to unpack in this episode when it comes to brand building. Without further ado, here's Chris. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you today? Mike, good to be here, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Let's let's start from the very beginning. Were you always fascinated and, and interested in nutrition? This is a good question. So when I was growing up, I lived for a period in Japan and traveled the world with my family. When I got back to New Zealand, it was the first time I began martial arts, despite having been living in Japan for multiple years. And I became obsessed in a guy called Bruce Lee. And he had this overall approach around absorb what is useful, hack away the unessential, and focus on the few things every day that truly matter, and apply that to his overall approach to martial arts. And as part of that, 
was a fascination in exercise, which then ultimately morphed into nutrition. So when I was 16, my sister bought me a copy of a book called Optimum Sports Nutrition by a guy called Michael Colgan. For good or bad, because plenty of information and recommendations uh, have been fully debunked, I read it and reread it so many times, I had to uh, rebake the spine of the book with masking tape a number of times. And that was sort of the beginning of what has been a lifetime fascination with health, fitness, training, nutrition, and sort of how to unlock in the early days, high levels of performance. And then as time progressed, more and more concerned with health and sort of optimizing a spectacular life. When did you first get into or start to understand um, these supplement drinks, green juice, and, and green powders? So I was uh, I studied a Bachelor of Science Sports and Exercise Science at the University of Auckland, uh, which is a small program. And it's pretty good. And I got right to the end of that and dropped out with two classes to go to start my first business, which was a first proper business, which was a small supplement company selling protein and creatine. And my interest has not waned from that period until now. That that business didn't end up working well. I took a lot of ownership and a lot of learnings out of that experience. And it was many, many years before I stepped back into what my passion had been as related to health and fit, fitness from building a business perspective. But I've had jobs as a trainer. I've worked doing nutrition consults. I've done a lot of different pieces over the years inside the industry. And the passion there has never waned. The The big catalyst came where in 2008, by 2008, I was getting sick all the time. I literally was having four courses of upper respiratory tract infections uh, a year, generally being prescribed antibiotics for those. I was deeply fatigued. I was getting sick all the time. And I'd been playing rugby in Australia at that stage and just got completely over being crook. And I ended up coming to the US uh, to a clinic recommended by a friend who did a lot of testing and we did a huge amount of testing. I literally spent $35,000 on every blood, stool, saliva, urine sample you can humanly imagine. I think the record in one day was 51 vials of blood out of my arm. And out of that experience, I came back with this awareness that um, I, my body just wasn't absorbing nutrients properly. And that led to a couple of different pieces. One, uh, this clinic who were great to me, they customized my blood biochemistry, a $100 a day supplement regime, which is about 50 pills. Um, and I came out of that experience with two really big things. One, almost everything I thought I knew about nutrition was was wrong. And most of the common paradigms at the time were in fact wrong. And two, there had to be a better way. So it was that journey of my own health, wanting to find a better solution, and then really being pushed into thinking, okay, what is the way I can get the most bang literally in one minute, humanly possible, that can do so much for me in terms of establishing a great foundation of health. And that's the category. And it's literally foundational nutrition, this idea that you need great micronutrients, you need a breadth of phytonutrients, you need uh, to support your gut. None of us have the perfect diet. Even if you think you do, I can guarantee you that the nutrients in your food are not as dense or high quality or as varied as they were even 50 or 100 years ago. I can guarantee you that no one you've met has perfect gut health. We've all been exposed to antibiotics, environmental toxins, pretty nasty processed food, uh, you, you know, sleepless nights, international travel, uh, all sorts of interesting um, microbials that sort of you wouldn't normally be exposed to. And and I think, you know, there's this growing awareness of look, 
Um, and, and sort of, if you think about our business and the evolution of our business and sort of the movement or the mission behind the business, our business is, we, we have a mission. We are a mission-based business. We, our mission is to empower people to take ownership of their own health. It is both the ownership, which is the responsibility is mine and I'm going to do something about it. Um, and that health dynamic, which is sort of making sure you're doing the right things and taking ownership of your health is this first layer on a, a step of having a spectacular life. So as part of that, and now there is this more and more growing awareness in this sort of movement, if you will, which was already building and is reflected partially in sort of the wellness mega trend around the world. But I think far more just in the general psychology of very, very disparate uh, age groups, ranging from um, you know people in their 20s right through to people in their 60s and 70s who are continually trying to up their game on how they approach this dynamic of, of a lifestyle approach and owning the inputs to having a very healthy, spectacular life. And as part of that, there is awareness that, hey, uh, getting nutrition, getting nutrients in and supporting gut health are really key pillars in making sure you're truly set up for success. So inside that space, uh, what we did when I originally started was I got some of the smartest people in the world, a um, couple of very talented naturopaths, a clinical researcher, a very forward-thinking functional MD, and started putting together an idea of what would sort of an amazing one-and-done foundational nutrition product look like? What would it have in it? And how could it be put together? And simply by the sheer nature of uh, just how much nutritional content you'd want in there, and also because I truly believe that you're far better off to have uh, this happen in a, in a beverage, for reasons I can explain a bit later, it, it, it went powder. So basically, it is a powder. It would be the equivalent of 16 to 20 large capsules if you were to hold them in your hand that is how much it would be. It covers everything from making sure you're ingesting enough uh, micronutrients. These are the vitamins and minerals that are literally the key players in the billions of chemical transactions and processes that happen in your body every day. And the other part is that they're the key building blocks alongside macro ingredients, so protein, fats, carbs, which most people are familiar with. But the micronutrients are the key building blocks alongside those. And your entire body is rebuilt from what you eat uh, within a year, with the exception of your tooth enamel, uh, there are many parts of your body that are completely turned over in 80 to 90 days. So you sort of end up with this dynamic of, well, if if you are deficient in any uh, micronutrient, and we're not talking about being compared under the bell curve to the average human you see at a Walmart, which unfortunately is sort of the comparison you're being given. Oh, you're in a normal range, not necessarily you're in an optimal range to really survive um, thrive and just have this spectacular life. So a lot of the growing awareness of, oh, I'm going to need to do something to support my my diet for the nutrients I get into my mouth is growing and growing and growing. As is the understanding that on top of covering off your micronutrients, you want a breadth of phytonutrients there. And there's a couple of different reasons for that. One is there's some amazing compounds in the phytonutrients. And two, this hugely supports your gut which is kind of the next phase is there's not a lot of point of putting things in your mouth if you can't absorb them properly. So just having more nutrients in your diet doesn't solve the piece unless you're actually working hard on absorption and utilization. And the gut, as everyone is becoming aware, is the portal uh, into your body. It's where nutrients enter your body. And it's also extremely important in terms of how your body is approaching immune function, inflammatory responses, mood, the famous second brain, 
And even small changes to sleep can modulate your gut. Small changes to the gut can modulate sleep. Like there's literally no area of your health and life that having a healthy gut doesn't impact. So what we wanted to do was cover off each of those and then put them in all into one in a way where they work synergistically. And the idea of synergy simply means working together for a better outcome. And in this case, just like in food, um, you want your nutrients as much as possible to come from food. You want uh, a series of pieces that will support your gut. And because of our modern lifestyles and the way, let's face it, there's not one of us who's living in accordance with our genetic makeup or the expectations of uh, what a human would have had even a few thousand years ago, which is a blink in the eye in terms of evolution. In terms of our, our light exposure, our food exposure, our chemical exposures, uh, and some of the insults that we give to our body, even right now looking at this computer screen uh, for many hours in a day is not the biological norm. So th- there are other ingredients that we also put in there to really support people to layer up from the sort of survival layer into optimal layer. And there's things that are now more commonplace, things like ashwagandha, um, which is an adaptogen, which can help your body with its stress response over time. Things that support your brain function, um, things that support your liver function, and some of the elimination pathways in your body. We we tried to get it all in there in a way that makes the most sense possible on on a daily basis. And when I first started, uh, I made the mistake of calling this product Athletic Greens. I was an athletic guy. I believed I had built with the help of very smart people, the ultimate daily all-in-one for athletic people, it would replace the multivitamin, a prebiotic, probiotic, any greens, any superfood, any adaptogen, anything you like and sort of that daily foundational piece would literally be like nine products in one and completely replace them. Yet I'd named it in, as I grew to sort of realize into a name that probably doesn't really serve an understanding of exactly just how much nutritional content, let alone the quality of the things that we have in there. And you mentioned when we first started chatting on ultimately building a category, and I believe that's what we've done. We've built this idea of a a really, really, really high quality, staggering nutritional content, foundational nutritional product that you wake up, start your day, and you drink. It's it's a powder you mix in a beverage and you drink. And it's literally in one minute, the highest investment you can make in your health in one minute a day. There's so much nutrition in there. There's so much high quality in there. Frankly, particularly when we first started, I really over-engineered the product. I know you have a a very interesting business audience. Uh, I sort of did everything wrong. I didn't work backwards from the market. I didn't work from the dynamic of willingness to pay or or any kind of needs-based understanding of the, the problem I was solving. I just realized, hey, this product this way may be over-engineered. Um, the, the, some of the early advisors I spoke to had businesses in the hundreds of millions who looked at looked at this product, said, this is great, wanted to talk margins, blanched, said, you are never going to pull this off. You do not have the margin to make this product stick. And I believed that actually that wasn't true because if you can get the right customer and they can bake in the utility of what then was a new behavior, which is wake up in the morning and smash a green looking beverage but now it's become far more common and it's still early on that ascension curve as a sort of human common habit that if I could do right by our customers and I've always thought myself as customer number one, I always think of my parents as customers number two and three. Like I have an obsession on quality and no compromises and continuous improvement, which has been reflected by basically our brand reputation in the market, which is exactly on those three things. 
And we're on our 52nd iteration of this product that was over-engineered and told it's never going to fly. And here we are. It's a much bigger business that's more recently had a bit of fanfare in the media because we raised some money. But taking it back to that early, early piece, um, it, we literally grew this business by thinking hard on, okay, um, there are some people who will understand just how much nutritional content is in this. And they range from the folks like Timothy Ferris through to a lot of nutritionists, a lot of personal trainers, people who could really read a label and understand. And where we grew uh, hugely was in the authentic recommendation from people who understood what it was that we were offering. And then people who subsequently embraced uh, sort of this health ownership mission and this lifestyle dynamic of taking AG1, uh, which is the name of the core product, each and every day. And you ask, like, how did I get into superfoods and, and these different pieces? That's how I got in. That's kind of where we landed to the product that you're seeing in front of you. So I might have gone a bit long-winded on that. Sorry, Mike. Not at all. Not at all, Chris. No, I, I really appreciate you kind of giving a, a synopsis of, uh, of the whole story. Um, how So back, like taking us back to like 2008, right? And you, and you were sick all the time. And when, when it came to the actual, the, the kind of, you were mentioning how some of the common paradigms um, in nutrition were actually wrong. Was that because there was a, do, do you, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that was it um, how vital micro, micronutrients are? And that just wasn't talked about? Uh, so it's a good question. So I uh, wasn't absorbing nutrients properly at all. And I'm what's known as a non-secreter, I found. I don't make the, the mucosal lining correctly in, in my colon. And that is the lining that l- largely dictates uh, huge amounts of your health and, and your immunity. And it's sort of part of the reason why I was in, in sort of trouble was because I was very inflamed. My gut was really inflamed. And then I just wasn't getting the right quality nutrition in. And I think the paradigm that has massively shifted then uh, and is now becoming more common understanding is... It's not just having the the nutrients uh, that matter. You have to have bioavailable nutrients. You have to approach this synergistically with your gut. Then you have to make considerations for the areas where um, we as humans are not living in accordance with the way we're really made up and support each of those three. So got to get them in, got to support them in the gut and make sure they're absorbed and also support your gut to support everything else you do every day. Then you have to think about, hey, where can we go to help on a daily basis support our bodies in, in the modern environment? And the old way of two pretty crappy quality synthetic tablets smashed together, drunk down, um, you're good to go, is just, is just off. And, and what you're seeing now is that we are disrupting the living crap out of that entire industry is most people who come to us throw away their multivitamin. And that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. This is a better customer-centric way. And I think as well, you're you've made it. Even though you know, athletic, you know, AG one, it's um, you look at it on paper and you say, oh wow, it's you know, hundred bucks a month. It's it's not cheap, but you were spending back in two thousand eight, you know, hundred bucks a day on on supplements to get you kind of yourself right. And so you've also bring down when it comes to accessibility, uh, this stuff. That's right, Mike. So, I mean, I, I crack up particularly, I mean, it has taken us years and years and years of, of doing what we do in 52 iterations to get to where we are now. We're not sitting on our laurels where iteration 53 is coming out and we're just getting better and better at our sourcing and R&D. And when we first started, we, we do not have margin remotely typical of um, the dietary supplement industry. They're 
particularly in encapsulated formulas, uh, margins are very, very high. It attracts a lot of players into the space, a lot of sort of marketing first customer experience, second dynamics. Most of the larger incumbents are all built on feet of shelf space as the distribution model. And so they kind of live by spinning up a product with a high frequency uh, to maintain whatever is the trend line for their little bit of shelf space. And that's their business model. And I don't think it's a customer-centric model. It's not focused on how do we give the best customer outcome to the customer. And we just decided to flip that on its head. So I focused first and foremost on building a business around um, this daily habit and making sure it was customer-centric. So I didn't try to do 100 things. We literally just focused on one and just made it as good as we humanly can. So why why a powder? Why did ultimately you land with a powder that would mix with water? So it's, it's a good question. It's two layers. One, I, I want you to think about uh, a decanter of wine and rolling two pills down the side of the decanter and how much surface area of the decanter it touched. That's one. Now, compared to when you actually pour a liquid into the decanter, it disperses broadly and touches so much more surface area of the decanter. That's one, right? You're actually just increasing your ability to absorb by having a liquid because it's already sort of broken down a dynamic, which basically if you eat any food, your body just mashes it down to a liquid eventually. Um, in Anyway, and it touches a lot of surface area. So so that's that's one. And that's why we generally prefer it uh, to happen uh, on an empty stomach. It's just, it's not completely vital. You can have it with your coffee, in your coffee, kind of whatever you want. It doesn't really matter. But from an optimal uh, absorption dynamic, putting it in when there's nothing else in there means there's nothing else that has messed things up prior uh, to it going in and you tend to get a better outcome. So So that's one. The second one is just, pure utility this would be 20 capsules and there are not that many people who are willing to inhale 20 capsules i've done it i've put them all in my hand and 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 done it uh doesn't look not it's not fun and it's just not customer friendly so it's the nutritional content and also the outcome are the two reasons why it's a powder that goes into a beverage how did you also think about taste as well um and and for customers, what is it the type of thing where you almost could ignore the taste just because you're getting so much? It's a once a day, you know, um, thing, and you ignore it. Or like, what was kind of your approach from from that standpoint as well? The approach was a painful one, Mike. So you, without utility, you have no you have no product. So inherently, um, if you draw a pie chart and you cut off half the pie chart, and the top half was ultimately the efficacy around the customer experience. Um, and you cut the pie chart into two quarters at the bottom. Um, and, and you're sort of looking at dynamics of utility and then are they actually taking it all the time? And where you're left with basically, man, if it's not good enough tasting, people, most people won't, they're not going to do it. And so then you're left with, okay, we put a lot of these nutritive, uh, nutritive pieces in there, Mike. Most of those taken individually do not taste good. Um, I cringe everywhere and when I see other players in any kind of nutrition space and the compromises, they are just so happily willing to do um, anything from cheap gums to hidden sugars to layering in all sorts of not particularly good for you um, sweeteners to stacking in various juice types that just bring the sugar count right up. And they're just kind of hiding um, 
they're hiding the taste behind things that aren't good for you. And I call that compromising. It's a bit like putting in the cheaper, nastier version of an ingredient because it'll save you margin, but you're compromising on your customer. And it's the same across the board. So it took us a staggering amount of time to figure out how to get that tasting right. And uh, there was a lot of tinkering and a lot of swearing and then a lot more tinkering. And then, of course, where you're at now um, as well is sort of palettes around the world are slightly different. The North American palette is a slightly sweeter palette than it would be. Um, I'm from New Zealand originally. I moved to the States uh, sort of 2008, 2009. So you can you sort of have to modulate the understanding. Ah, okay. And then even then, for some people, um, it's a it's a slightly sweet taste. For others, you know, they start pinching their noses and we get a lot of people who mix it with lemon, um, sort of mix it with something else for a period as they start to get used to it. And then what we find is a lot of people kind of are terrified if they're sort of taste obsessed and they haven't really tried some of these pieces before. And then they taste it like, ah, it's, uh, it's not that bad. And then once they start to bake in the habit, they get they get to a point where they actually they embrace it. And we kind of call it, it's a taste of health. It's it's something sort of our customers look forward to. And you can't please everyone with taste, and it's a good call out. But I think we've done a pretty good job of hitting the bulk of the bell curve with this one. How did you also, I mean, I know that a big theme to part of you know the success for, for AG1 is really creating this new habit for um for people to create i don't I don't think you know i mean there has always been like a habit maybe for those that, that take supplements of taking like a supplement you know um uh, per day but not really on like taking a mix um a mix that actually is consumed you know as um as a liquid uh, but how did how did you think about because i imagine it was probably pretty challenging at the very beginning to kind of convince people that this is something that you need to you know take every day um, and kind of the reasons why, what was kind of your approach to kind of developing that and kind of getting on er- early customers that would actually be retained? So the, it's a very good question. At the end of the day, if you consider even something in health, and I kind of stack the priorities in life of health first, your key relationships next, then investing your most precious resource, your time, in something that has purpose and meaning for you. And I, I really always, always, always having had health, having lost health, having got health back, I, I put that health first. I mean, put your own oxygen mask on first and then you're greater able to help others. And I think as it relates to health and you look at the different pillars of health, you have massively growing awareness of sleep and how important it is. You have massively growing awareness of exercise and how important it is. And you have massive growing awareness of nutrition and how important it is. So um, you also have sort of um, elements of emotional health and we could say there are four pillars we could add in, add in a fifth one, uh, which is light and outdoors and vitamin D exposure. And you could do it a couple of different ways. But at the end of the day, it is the inputs you make towards those those pillars every day that either unlock or break health for you. And for each of those pillars, there's a few simple things that really make the bulk of the difference. It's that 80-20 principle in full effect. It is not overly complicated. And I do think some people can really overcomplicate it. And, you know, again, sort of thinking about what the 80-20 looks like, um, sleep a lot in a pitch dark room and try to be as consistent as possible. Expose yourself to light early in the day, get moving to help set that body clock. Try to move as often as you can. And there are a couple of sort of next layer rules on how much exercise would be optimal. And in nutrition, 
you you need to make sure you're um, overall eating in a format that doesn't cause crazy spikes in blood sugar and eating in a way that doesn't lead to an inflammatory response, like mess you up. And then once you've covered those two, you have to make sure you're eating enough uh, high-quality nutrients and supporting your gut health so that everything works better. And to get that supportive layer for us, and we never try to say, hey, this is a silver bullet. And we've never gone out with that approach of don't worry, you can just eat whatever you want the whole time. You don't have to worry because you're smashing your AG1. Because that's not the advice I'd give to you. It's not the advice I'd give to your parents or my parents on how they should embrace it. I said, look, your approach to food and your ownership of um, trying to eat as well as you can around food quality, which regardless of your ideology around food is basically the food on the outside ring of your supermarket, um, whole real food, should drive the bulk of the food you eat. And stay away from sugars, heavily processed food, and nasty seed oils. And um, do the that that's the 80-20 on nutrition. And then as long as making sure you hit sort of a protein target every day, and you kind of have that one largely covered. And then from the habitual side for us, we realize that when people uh, adopt a ritualistic approach and have a place where the great habits sit in the day, they get done. So you want it simple. I'm a huge believer in um, essentialism to focus on the few things that really matter. I, I love the book, by the way, by Greg McCown. Yeah, it's it's literally, it is the number one strategy book you'll ever read for business. And I think so many people get strategy wrong. And I think it's the number one book as well for understanding, hey, there are a few basic things, which if you do them consistently and consistency trumps intensity, they will compound to winning. And one of those is making sure day in, day out, you're doing something great to make sure you're ticking off that nutrients box and you're supporting your gut health. And if you then want to turn around and just trash that puppy with everything else you do, it's not going to lead you to to Vegas, as, as you might say. It's better than doing nothing. But the whole part of what we're trying to do to people is say, hey, wherever you are on this health ownership journey, and I'm not sure where you are, Mike, but we literally have people who are Olympic athletes going for another medal through to people who have just gotten off the couch. And this is one of the two things they do every day in their own health ownership journey. One is get up, smash AG1, and the other is go for a 20-minute walk. And that's where they're at in the journey. And I love that. We're here to empower them to move up and across that journey. And the most rewarding pieces for me is when I meet AG1 customers and I hear their stories about first their own health ownership journey then about their life ownership journey that starts to cascade as a result. Thinking about when you were first, you know, when it was first Athletic Greens and maybe focusing on athletes and you were um, appealing, wanting to appeal to people that were very kind of nutrition focused, um, athlete, maybe our athletes are uh, athlete focused. And um, I know that you said that a lot of maybe your rise or what, you know, really worked well for um, back when it was called, you know, Athletic Greens was these authentic relationships and partnerships essentially with with you know people that have you know um, a lot of influence in these areas like like Tim Ferriss and um, Peter Atia who I know is a scientific advisor for um, for you all how did you approach that from the very beginning and kind of be able to kind of build and nurture these relationships um, early on so i think the the power of relationships is huge and the greatest thing about a relationship um, is it's yours to win or lose. And that is be amazing, give more than you ask for, uh, turn up consistently, 
and, and you can build a relationship. And I think as a brand, the future of brand building is in the quality of the relationship you ultimately form with your customer. And we can talk a little about that uh, later. But in terms of this, it's just I've always committed to doing the right thing by people. And I think over time, uh, as I've formed friendships and have never asked for anything. So the first time I found out that uh, Tim Ferriss, who, who was, who's a long-term friend and who tried many early iterations as a guinea pig of uh, what was then called Athletic Greens, now called AG1, um, was when I literally when I realized, hey, I, I think I've named this product the wrong thing. Here I am sort of figuring out go to market in, in North America and uh, greens is a category that is mainly made up of very cheap bulk ingredients, most of which humans shouldn't consume in quantity um, in frequent cases. And they're not high quality and, and they have a very different price point. And he replied to me, um, hey man, don't change the name now. I've incorporated um, that product in my book, The 4-Hour Body, and it's gone to print. And and for good or bad, for good or bad at that time, uh, I went, okay, I won't change the name. But of course, the number one question we get is something you alluded to. Hey, Athletic Greens is 100 bucks. It's actually $79 if you subscribe, which is the smartest way to, to get a habit uh, dialed in. Um, it's less than $3 a day. It's less than your cup of coffee at your favorite coffee store. It is more nutrition in one minute than you can get anywhere else in the world. And if you were to go and get all those ingredients yourself, even assuming you could get them at the same quality, which I know this industry and I doubt, uh, it would it would cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars and it would take you so much time. And power to if you want to go that route. Um, but part of what we do is we do the hard work. We invest both the time and the research for you. The reason why we keep updating that formula is we keep making it better as we become aware of, of new research. So that's sort of our value prop is like, how do we give people the power of foundational nutrition in the most efficacious, simple way possible? And then to your early point, make sure that embracing that uh, from a lifestyle approach. And because that is a very authentic message and we've never said anything ever that is sort of, yeah, go eat, um, just go eat pizza the whole time. You'll be fine if you take an AG1. And because we've ruthlessly, ruthlessly and relentlessly, consistently just focused on quality, quality, quality and nutritional content, and we sort of set the bar. We literally pioneered the quality standards that are slowly becoming more mainstream in, in North America. We were the first to pioneer this sort of powdered formula at all. We were the first to pioneer this much nutritional content in one product at all. Still, as far as I can see, the only, but we're the first. Then we pioneered a quality standard. Um, there's an outfit called the TGA, which is the Australian Therapeutic Goods um, Authority. And they're considered widely to be the most stringent quality control standards for natural products. It's a pharmaceutical standard. We pioneered having that as our, our floor, um, our minimum acceptable standard 12 years ago. And same with NSF for sport, which basically gives athletes the comfort that not only is everything you say on the label in the product, there's nothing else. And just sort of have, have always sort of pioneered that layer. So when you build any kind of relationship, you build trust over time. When you continually outperform against that trust, your relationship grows. And in the instances you asked about Tim Ferriss, I, we, we never engaged in any financial uh, dynamic at all with anything Athletic Greens. Um, basically until many, many years later, there, there was no endorsement set up. 
and being in the four-hour body. He just put it in because he takes it every day and he loves it. Very grateful for both the friendship, and he's been an amazing friend, and, and the support of our brand and product and the push for people to take more ownership of their own health and life and business and everything, which he's done, which is really cool to watch. And I think over time, um, you know, we'd never done anything with him financially until we began advertising on some of the early podcasts back in the day. And with Peter Atia, you will rarely meet uh, just those two names together, Timothy Ferris and Peter Atia, two people who are more ruthlessly stringent in how much they quality control anything um, that they want to align themselves with. Peter's an amazing human. He's an intellectual powerhouse, and we're very proud to have him as an advisor. And uh, I think you build relationships, you, you build trust, and you know you can lose them in seconds, and you just have to live by building the long-term relationship. And when you do that authentically with a give proposition, then ultimately you, you form a relationship and, and great things can happen. And I've taken that approach. Like if no matter what in this approach, this is not my first business. I'm building the business I love, solving a problem that I love for people that I love with a team that I love uh, to help humanity. And I, I love humans. So it's kind of my my dream gig and I'm determined to do it the right way and i think that like like any brand building a brand is the hardest thing it takes the longest time because ultimately it's about building trust and and water under the bridge so when we've encountered people mike who could have blown us up or done amazing things or were whiz kids and xyz or yeah we'll partner with you but sort of something was sort of not quite what we'd want from our own standards we've just said no every single time and have never taken the shortcuts have never adopted any approach like that and have only ever lived by our own values and i think the longer and longer you do that the more people whose stars are very bright are willing to align their stars with your with your brand and i'm very happy and very proud that we've taken that long-term approach and will always do so um wow no i i really appreciate you um saying how um really actually talking about how you actually met tim and also peter um i know both of them um talk as well a lot about um i'm a huge fan of both their podcasts and um talk about how um intermittent fasting can be really helpful for for gut health does does taking ag1 does that actually interrupt um a fast or or no no so i mean in a pure sense uh, a, a true fast should be water on, only and so anything else other than water would technically be interrupting but from the sense of are you changing are you is AG1 a significant source of calories, particularly um, you know, the mighty protein, fats, and sugars? The answer is no. So the the dynamic there is would not interfere with your fast, um, is very accretive to gut if you're trying to fast for gut health. And we have people who literally um, are fasting, say, 8 p.m. till midday who take AG1 on waking um, with great results. And then we have people who take AG1 15 minutes before their first full solid meal of the day. And it's, it's a popular combo. How how did you approach as well distribution in your sales channels? Um, obviously, I'd imagine um, ordering you know AG1 um, via the website is the most ideal way. But how did you also think about retail partnerships and as well as you know um, putting AG1 on Amazon? How, how are you just overall you were thinking about company growth? Well, Mike, if, if you consider out there in... The mighty, uh, the mighty world of the internet. There's so much clutter, and there's so much stuff 
and it's kind of hard to tell what's flavor of the month, um, what really works. And this is where I think the power of authenticity starts to come in. And whenever we've looked at any partner, like I mentioned earlier, like regardless of how much money they could have made us and success they could have had, if we didn't feel that they were living with the authenticity, like if they didn't really, really, really love AG1 and take it every day, we didn't want to work with them. And over time, uh, we've used that authentic recommendation to have a warm introduction to our brand. And our product is only sold on athleticgreens.com. You can't get it anywhere else. And for a little while, we were also on, on Amazon for a period. So I like to have the relationship with our customers. I like to make sure that we're doing the best we can by them. And I like um, having the responsibility to look after the relationship. If you have a, have a relationship that, that is a direct one, it, it's yours to win or lose. And that, that suits me and it suits our business. And I think if you look at the shift of companies like uh, Nike, where they're trying more and more to sort of own that relationship versus sort of the broader spread of how they are across their distributors. And there's sort of no right or wrong way in terms of how brands can grow. But I personally think that building on the relationship you form with your customers in a two-way relationship is the future of brand building. And it's the part a lot of people get wrong. I think there's a lot of marketing first people playing in various D2C companies who aren't thinking value to their customer long-term relationship. They tend to uh, flame up and, and die. Then you have a lot of incumbents who are running off the old model, which tends to be not particularly customer-centric product solutions. And that's slowly shifting, but it, they're, they're very slow. And when I look at distribution, it's pretty simple. Um, trust, authenticity, accretive to our brand, accretive to their brand. And are, are we getting a type of customer who's actually likes what we have to offer, but likes the problem we solve and believes they can approach this from a lifestyle? dynamic and we're not in a hurry to go crazy broad from distribution dynamic um, to spin for a near-term result we want that long-term win so we're not in retail uh, we're not seeking um, anytime soon to start to go crazy into retail or anything else we'd like to continue to build on on the trust and relationships we've got no that's that, no that's helpful that's that's really helpful um, and really focusing um, on uh, that relationship with the customer. I know, how also did you approach fundraising and maybe financing the business? Because I know you you went through, um, you really were kind of bootstrapped, right? Up until um, quite quite recently. What was kind of your approach from the early days? I've had some amazing mentors in my business journey. Starting with my dad, who's the most phenomenal. Uh, I just got hit the lottery with my parents. They're, they're incredibly supportive. And or has encouraged me to think for myself. And on, but one of my early mentors was a guy called Keith Cunningham. And he's a phenomenal business coach. And I encourage every entrepreneur, every executive, every business builder to just Google him. I have no affiliation. Uh, Keith Cunningham, Keys to the Vault. He's got some very neat books and a very interesting way of approaching financial literacy and education. So, this idea of building a sustainable long-term business and f doing a good enough job with and for your customers so that the, your customers imparting their money for the value that they receive, will, which is the idea, will then fund your ability to grow. Uh, 
what other way is there to grow a business that's intelligent from a long-term dynamic is actually the paradigm I had coming in. And so to us, um, we basically bootstrapped the business from inception uh, until 2021. And we hadn't deployed a single dollar of equity capital until we were at $168 million run rate revenue. And um, frankly, we we could have gone forever bootstrapping. Um, just realized that we, we needed uh, we needed to step more into the opportunity. We needed to. I mean, we have a very thirsty supply chain. We have a cash a cash thirsty supply chain. It's a very complex supply chain. Um, we always want to get our hands on the absolute best ingredients in the world, and so it just required um, a bigger bank balance than we could do it just organically. And so that led to a decision, which was the first of, we're going to take external um, funding. Yep. And the very first uh, was a, was a, was a smaller check, very strategic, intentionally looking for people who could help um, share the story of AG, AG1 uh, with their tribe, their audience, um, their networks, and who kind of understood that brand building dynamic. And then we followed that shortly with a more significant investment where I wanted, um, and I'm very, very happy with our investors, and where I wanted basically a significant capital on the balance sheet to be able to unlock uh, multiple years of growth for for our business. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy to answer any details. I can imagine that your supply chain is pretty, um, is it is it fully verticalized, your, your supply chain? No, we we have uh, some of the best quality sourcing R&D uh, humans on the planet. I, I love them. They work so hard. They're so smart. They're so passionate. And over 10, 12 years, um, you start to find out, frankly, who's great and who's, let's just say, not great. And then you form relationships and do everything you can uh, to do right by the great. And very proud of our vendor partnerships. Um, we're not vertically integrated, but we we control in some dynamic or other the entire uh, supply chain. So we just don't own our own manufacturing. So it's very important. Uh, quality is insanely important. And uh, there's been all sorts of supply chain interestingness that's been happening in the world. And I think for us, I'm very, very proud of what the team's done there and, and how they've managed to not just meet our quality standards, but improve them over time. Uh, with scale, which is no easy feat, and it has been a lot of hard work. It seems like, I mean, overall, like your journey has been just really just been obviously incredible. Um, but I'm sure there's also maybe some low moments, um, when, w- w- which there always is when it comes to company building. What were maybe some of like your biggest learnings from building AG1? So I think the there there are a lot, and I like many entrepreneurs, I have a pretty tumultuous journey. I've tried a lot of things. I've had a lot of learnings. Um, including significant punches in the nose. And I take ownership of all the mistakes, any naivety, any errors, any decisions. Like I take ownership of the whole lot. They're part of the learnings that ultimately have led us to build the business as we have. I think early um, when when I kicked things off um, and, and we went to market, which was really sort of, Towards the end of 2010, then we, we properly launched January 2011 and then have iterated the product 52 times over the subsequent 10 years. And 
I think the, the, the advice I would sort of go back and give myself, which I actually covered in a Thrive Global article, um, would, a lot of it would be around, hey, I had a very bold vision, but I kind of kept a lot of that to myself and wasn't really as audacious as I, I believe I should have been or definitely um, as I would be now if I went back. And I was too slow to focus on recruiting amazing talent. So I bootstrapped. I'm, I'm very good um, at looking after our customer. I'm very good at running a business that way. But I think I, I was too slow to really recruit great talent. And like many entrepreneurs, I've tried a lot of different things. So literally, um, literally, when I was launching AG1, I was coming out of a failed form of business venture. There was a period where I was uh, living on friends' couches for months at a time. I can remember going through my sofa the last time I had rent, uh, had paid rent in 2010, living through my security deposit, literally looking for change to go around the corner to the little Cuban place. This was in Miami um, to buy rice and beans. And I, I can that was a low point. I can remember screenshotting the bank accounts. I can remember screenshotting, um, yeah, basically my negative uh, dollar balances everywhere. And then I, I sent myself an email and just said, remember this feeling. And uh, it, it's been an interesting journey, man. It's, it's, it's never just up and to the right. So, you know, when I go back and, and look at some of those pieces versus where we are now, I'm very grateful. Um, I love meeting our customers. And I also feel like saying to myself, recruit talent early <laughs> and just do that again. And like, just say that again and again and again. Once you've figured out some idea of the what, focus on the who, focus on the who. And so now, I mean, the leadership team I have now at, at uh, AG is, is spectacular. I have Cat Cole. It's one of the most phenomenal, phenomenal business people I've ever met, just full stop period. She's a spectacular human and so talented as my co-leader in running this business. And she is legit world-class. So yeah, that, that would be the main piece of advice is I, I did the right things. I focused on the customer. I focused on the long-term. I never compromised. And I, um, I, I really built everything for the long term and I kept going. So when you fall over, you need to stand up and take another step. And that I did. And I'm very proud of it. And I'm very proud of even in the hardest, darkest moments of, of despair coming out of bankruptcy litigation and everything else, I made the highest integrity, best steps towards building the right long-term future. And I'm very proud of, of the decision tree I exercised in that moment. And I'm very proud of what we've built, frankly. I am in the business of helping people feel awesome, Mike. I get to speak to amazing humans like you who want to hear about the journey. At some point in this, I'll start pushing you about your own health ownership and how can you get the people you love to take more ownership. And we'll, we'll get this movement flying and we will literally change the world through a daily nutritional powder. For early entrepreneurs, um, since you said that you know from the beginning, maybe one of the missteps was recruiting great talent when you don't maybe have a big track record like obviously ag now ag1 now is huge and you know you have incredible talent around you but in the kind of early days of you know any entrepreneur that's listening how would you go about kind of recruiting great great talent and getting people to kind of believe your your vision and you know maybe leave their incredible jobs in order to join you yeah, so I think that so this one has a couple of layers to it. One is where are you on the um, product market match dynamic? Do I mean inherently entrepreneurship is about adding or creating value? Um, 
where previously there was either none or less, depending where you are in, in your business journey. And to do that, you have to be adding value. And I have this very simple formula, which I've coached to uh, like a lot of the people who've been with me for a long time. And it is understand this dynamic of adding value times leverage. And so what is the value you're adding to the world and how you're doing it in a structure that is leverage? And do you have a, a dynamic of solving problems customers want to be solved that they're going to embrace and adding value to their lives? And can you do that with leverage? And depending on what that business model ends up shaking out, will vary hugely on who your early uh, investors, mentors, advisors, and everything else are going to be. If you're trying to come out on a winner-takes-all, we'll need billions of dollars at, sort of to, to make this whole vision a reality, and you're going to have to blitz scale because first to win gets the whole pie. Uh, that's a very different set of advice that I would give to someone else who's sitting there trying to figure out either something more niche or potentially something more disruptive that has a very different capital stack and requirement. And in the second, uh, I'd be looking for mentors who were more of the angel investor type, former operators who'd been there, done that, and I'd be obsessively focused on the customer. Literally, how are you solving the problem for your customer and what are the learnings you can take from that? That obsession with the customer has to stay forever, and there's only two words I want people to um, understand, and that is reorder business. You want to be in the reorder business, not the order business. And this is the biggest mistake I see uh, entrepreneurs today making where the barriers to entry are so low that anyone with a credit card with a 10 grand limit can start a company and, and off you go. So I think that they're failing to think through what problem are you solving? Do people care about it? Are you truly adding value? Um, and what business are you in? And yeah, be in the reorder business. It's literally the number one bit of advice I'd give along with uh, focus, audacious vision, recruit people to tell, to the team who can really help you depending on sort of your business model and what winning ultimately looks like. You may be looking for people who are looking for moonshot bets with all the risks that come with it for you as a founder and for them as investors. Um, very, very different risk profile for everyone involved. And Versus, no, I, I can actually start in a more customer-obsessed, one great customer at a time business structure, which is what I have. I literally believe in this business even now. It's just we win and lose by one great customer at a time. And I I scream and I cry every time we lose a great customer that I know we should have been able to keep. And I think for pe people starting out early in the journey, would be thinking through, depending which of those structures you're after, an advisory team that is set up to help you win the long term and obsessively focus on recruiting the talent for the next year and a half, two years of that journey and never, never, never take your eyes off the customer in that reorder business, that you are there to serve them full stop period. For AG1, how did you, um, how would you describe how you approach scaling? Would you say, would you, would you say that you, you subscribe to blitz scaling? Would you say like, how would you kind of describe, what do you think about like your strategy through um, since you founded the company? Well, I mean, in the early days, I was coming out of deep debt. I was determined, um, and bankruptcy, I was determined that I would pay back um, everyone who I owed money to. And so there was a, a weighted risk adjustment on no matter what, the company could never fail, which frankly actually is, I, I actually believe is the only way you should really run your business. And uh, unless you are in one of the moonshot winner takes um, all dynamics, in, in which case you may actually be better to take a very 
different outsized approach and um, because you're playing for something quite quite unique now in our business um, like an apple like a nike um, even like tesla um, although tesla's sort of cap stack just to get into businesses is insane so it's kind of a, maybe a bad example it's still one great customer at a time and i think for us it is we're willing to grow as hard and as fast as we can as long as it is a great customer and we're doing a great job by them. We, we, we sort of, as Kat calls it, we want the, the wheels on the cart to wobble but not come off. And ultimately, being able to deliver on that customer promise is, is the number one. And clearly, we don't want the wheels to come off. So it's not true blitzscaling uh, in the Reed Hoffman sense of the word. It's, it's a great book. It's very interesting. Um, but there is a dynamic of leaning to the growth where you can take it. And be very bold and audacious and courageous and how you're willing to experiment. Just know that not all those experiments will work out. This is awesome. Thank you. No, I uh, thanks so much for that. Chris, this has been such a delight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Mike, it was a pleasure. Hope I answered your questions. Uh, it was good to chat to you. And there you have it. It was awesome chatting with Chris. I hope you enjoyed listening and learning about the story of AG1. If you also love this content and learning more about consumer startups and VC, subscribe to the newsletter at theconsumerbc.substack.com, also available in show notes. Thanks for listening.